You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, Tommy Wilden Jr., Calgary FC manager, will wrap up that just phenomenal World Cup final yesterday as Argentina and Lionel Messi beat France in a penalty shootout, which was absolutely phenomenal theater. Uh, we also had some phenomenal theater on Saturday, the Minnesota Vikings uh, having a historic comeback against the Indianapolis Colts. And, of course, the Calgary Flames with a 5-2 win last night over the San Jose Sharks. To talk about all of that, Flames color analyst on Sportsnet 960, the fan joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, our man Peter Labardius. Lou, how are you? Uh, I am fine, George. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, One of the reasons why we all love you, Lou, um, you really love sports. Like, you're the guy who's up at, like, (laughs) one thirty in the morning watching a softball competition from Australia. Like, you love sports. I what do. did that World Cup final mean to you yesterday? It was just incredible theater. And, George, what really stuck out, not just yesterday, but the whole tournament, is what it means to the people of the nations and what that sport means to the people in so many of those nations. It is not sport to them. I don't even know how you properly define it, Mm. but I can tell you that when I care as passionately as I do, and that generally involves someone wearing red and white, I think I can understand emotionally what that feels like. So um, one of the reasons that I have always loved sports is I think it's the greatest theater in the world and it's not scripted and it's, it's full of passion when sport is played the right way and it means so much and it means so much to people. And um, I've never seen anything like it in terms of, of that sport. And when I think about the magnitude and over a billion people watching it, um, that'll go down as one of the greatest sporting events of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we asked the listeners cause um, I, I felt yesterday I, I was doing my show inside the lines live and, and watched the match. It was very distracting trying to do a football show. Well, that incredible yeah, uh, match was on uh, television uh, I, I got a little emotional yesterday thinking about my dad who's no longer with us because I'm like, wow, that would have been an incredible thing to share with my dad. And I got a little emotional. When's the last time you got a little emotional after watching a sporting event? Was it yesterday or is it something that really sticks out in your mind? Um, the last time was this summer and it happened where I'm still stuck in Edmonton with my son at the World Junior Final. And, you know, I've loved that event since 1982 when the program of excellence came into fruition. And, you know, my son, who really is not 
the biggest of sports fans, caught the world junior bug a couple years ago. So I will never forget the whole sequence of Mason McTavish hmm. saving that goal somehow, some way. Uh, two minutes later, Kent Johnson puts it in and, you know, just grabbing my son, picking him out of the air. And then about a second later, we were in a four-person hug with the two people beside us. And, it, you know, I had always dreamed for a long time about sharing a world junior experience with my son. And it was pretty incredible, um, to say the least, George. So, so that would be the last time. And, in fact, one of the reasons I came to Edmonton was to kind of have our own little Christmas on the weekend and his present is him and his father are going to go to the last two days of the World Junior in Halifax on the 4th and 5th for this tournament. So Not bad. Not bad. You're such a good dad. Yeah, my goodness. That's a banger. Going to Halifax. Yeah, going to Halifax. Uh, That's not always like going to Winnipeg. <laughs> A little bit different than going out to... Remember that ad? You guys remember that ad? The tire ad with that very funny guy going to Winnipeg. Going to Winnipeg. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I did want to actually get your thought on the World Junior Team because we're only about a week from them getting underway. They named their captains over the weekend. Shane Wright's going to be the captain. Um, But some very appropriately named alternates as well. Uh, maybe a thought on just the team and what they're looking like as uh, we get ready for this tournament kicking off in a week. Well, Maddie, it's hard not to love the forwards on this group. Deep. Um, you know, Wright, Bedard, Offman. I think, once again, a bit of an underrated guy, and he was not underrated this summer in Canada's victory is Logan Stan Coven, the reigning CHL Player of the Year. Um Dylan Gunther being sent back. This team, and I knew it had a chance to be special because, guys, when I think about what Canada can have every year at the World Junior, it's all about age groups, and it's all about the 19-year-old generally age group. And 12 of these players helped Canada win the World Under-18 championship um, in Texas Mm -hmm. in the spring of 2021. And at that point, I went, this is a really special group with a lot of high-end guys. I don't know how many we're going to have or be available to them by the time they're 19, but as it turns out, and even Brand Clark, who was on that team, was, was sent back. So I love the forward group. They're incredibly skilled at the top. They've got size. They have depth. Uh, I like the group. I don't love the group on defense. I think somebody's going to need to step into the top four. I, I love their top three with, with Zellweger, who was an all-star last year, the addition of Clark, um, Ethan Del Mastro, who was a late ad last year and yet, you know, played his tail off. So if somebody in the bottom of that group can really step up and stabilize your top four, it's, it's, it's a really, really good team. Peter Labardius, a Flames color analyst on Sportsnet 960 here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 
guest hotline. Uh, Lou, uh, I, as you know, I, I host a, a gambling show on Sunday yeah, mornings yeah. on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Well, you you and I, and you're you're very good at it, I must say, because I wow, tune, thank you. I, I will. Well, you are. I will tune in, and you know, I don't bet. Hmm. But so now I, I have to ask you uh, a total. I'm going to ask you a total, though, an over-under total that I asked the yeah. guys on the show before he jumped on. And we're like, we got to ask Lou about this. Okay. Over-under Milan Lucic goals this season, four and a half, Lou. Over. Okay. Over. I like your optimism. Consensus over. Over. There's a long huh. way to go. Yeah. Um, scored his first in 62 last night, and we talked about it on the show. Didn't last night kind of feel like a checklist for the Flames that they got, that they accomplished? Checklist? Um, I I love how you put it that way, George, because, you know, at the top top of all of it is, look what happens when all your best players find the score sheet. And they do it at key times and led by Elias Lindholm, his first multi-goal game this year. Also his first multi-goal game since last April 7th in San Jose. So uh, a good little note and a good little trip back to SAP Center. Yeah, all their key people contributed. And, And when that happens, your defense, your top Perry Anderson and Hannafin, is a combined plus eight. You got solid goaltending. Um, you scored on the power play. You're right, George. That's a, that's an awesome way of putting it. Check, 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 check. Lubardius had his flight canceled at six o'clock. X. Oh, that's mm, that. Yeah, that won't complete the checklist. Um, no, no. The team had a the team had a good night. The color analyst had a crappy night. The other two things that we were kind of talking about that maybe wouldn't hit the checklist and would be more of a negative would be penalty kill a lot, a couple of goals, but I'm not too worried about that. It is what it is. Eric Carlson did Eric Carlson things with an extra man. He'll do that type of stuff to you. But the other thing would be the injuries uh, with Nikita Zadorov and Dennis Gilbert. Gilbert takes one right off the bean, leaves uh, after that scrap, and then Zadorov uh, sprawling out to block a shot and right to the room after. Just a, a thought on those holes the play of the blue line yesterday and maybe what we could see transaction-wise. Remember, we have to keep in mind that after this evening, midnight tonight, waivers freeze. The roster freeze starts uh, at midnight this evening. Yeah, I think the other thing to add is Chris Tanna has skated for an hour yesterday. Now, I don't know when we see him for sure, um, and he was placed on IR, but it was retroactive to today. So he would be eligible to return tomorrow when they play the Sharks again for a second straight time. So if indeed Zadorov and I don't expect to see him, it, I don't think it's ever a very good sign when a guy a guy knows he's hurt when he leaves immediately. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. Something is wrong. Um, so you're likely not to have him. Gilbert's probably in some form of concussion protocol now he was said to be okay after the game at least in daryl's post-game press conference um it it sure would you know leave another big hole on the back end if 
all three of them are unavailable, and then it will require at least one, if not two, call-ups again. Did you like how they went with 11-7, and seven, understanding that, hey, there's maybe some inconsistencies on the back end uh, as you get a little bit further down the roster? We'll bring an extra guy in and, and kind of hope that maybe one of these three guys will be able to put it all together for an evening. Uh, Rosenblum, I liked a couple of things about it. So that will really tell you how Daryl feels about the bottom part of his defense. And I've said this now for the last 10 days. While the whole, you know, outside noise is about yelling and screaming for another forward, I actually think they're in need of another veteran defenseman to help truly stabilize, um, you know, put yourself in a situation where Michael Scone has a little bit more help at that position. So that's where I would be leaning actually right at the second ahead of the forward. And that was before Tanev or maybe Zadorov got hurt as well. So I like that part of it. It gave Daryl more flexibility. The other thing, guys, that I liked about it was this. In, in cutting down to the 11 forwards, we saw some different combinations, and it gave Daryl an opportunity to use his center icemen, his three center icemen, more and mix and match a little bit and get them on the ice more and, and even take a look at some combinations that just formed throughout the game because you had to move your centers around to spend the time when they were on the ice with Lou, Cheech, and Lewis. So I like the flexibility of that, and I think it paid off. We'll see where it goes. I don't really see a situation like that with the defensive scenario developing again for Tuesday. Lou, maybe a thought of uh, the San Jose Sharks and just a couple of their players that stood out, really the guys who connected on the first goal. That pass from Eric Carlson is nasty, but he also was kind of running around in his own end quite a bit yesterday. And then Timo Myers, another intriguing player as uh, an RFA at the end of the season. Perhaps he gets dealt or perhaps he does do what Tomas Hurdle also did. And uh, also maybe a thought on the Tomas Hurdle slash in the third period. Uh, is that was I, I do wonder if the league takes a look at that. Yeah, they'll probably take a quick peek. I, I don't know where that one's going to go for sure. In regards to the Sharks, um, they were porous defensively. Um, they looked a lot like a team in purple for the first half on Saturday. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah, we'll get they, there. They, they couldn't check the fire exit. Um <laughs> last night for the most part i i like their top two groups up front and the, let's be completely frank about eric carlson he the best checking i have ever witnessed was ottawa's great playoff run in i believe it was 2017 where he was absolutely dialed in and was incredible and got injured and probably played the best hockey I've ever seen. The last two years, fellas, he didn't even look interested in playing the sport and certainly not interested when he doesn't have the puck. That has never been his strength. 
So is he producing at a ridiculous level? Beyond belief. He's got 40 points. He's already hit 700 points in his career. But, you know, the Sharks and Kapil Kakinen has not exactly um, been a world beater since the trade from Minnesota. So nice pieces. They're going to have to make a decision on Meyer, who would be a wonderful fit in a lot of places, including Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, if you could make that deal somehow, some way. But, you know, the Sharks play hard. I watched all their game on Saturday night against L.A. Um, they, they were a good team without the puck on Saturday. They were not a good team without the puck on Sunday. Um, Lou, uh, well, there's two things we wanted to ask you. Number one, the over-under on Milan Lucic goals for the season. And number two, yes. uh, the comeback on Saturday, the greatest comeback in NFL history. The Vikings down 33 nothing, end up winning. It's never happened before in the history of the league. Um, Maddie thinks you watched the entire game. Producer Patrick Dumas thinks you turned it off at halftime. And I think you stopped watching at 33 to nothing. Did you watch that entire game on Saturday or you were too disgusted and turned it off and then turned it back on? Okay, I'll give you a quick story. So (laughs) I flew to Edmonton, which is, as I mentioned a little earlier. I I heard Edmonton's beautiful in December, Lou. Confirm. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, thank goodness my son lives here because, anyway. Um, So. Okay. While while I was on the airplane and my flight left shortly after 11, um, you know, I had my phone on and I may have, you know, something called the zone. So, you know, we're de-icing, so I'm watching. Well, it's 3, and then it's 10, and then it is 17, nothing for the juggernaut Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) And I am sour beyond belief beyond belief the 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 man beside me is looking at me like what is the matter with this idiot (laughs) his his arms are starting to wave his his phone is moving around in his hands and i'm like yeah here we are again yeah you know typical seen this before Mm-hmm. Everybody mad at the quarterback, but you know, don't be afraid to mix in the odd stop. So yeah. then I get off the airplane, I check my phone. Um, Twenty three. I I get to where my son is, and now it's thirty three. So you know, there's not a lot going on. So of course, I fire on the TV. So and then I watch, and then I kept watching and then still in disbelief I saw what I saw but I will say this even at 36 to 14 you could tell that the game was really going to turn now did I think they'd be able to do it and let's not forget guys they should have tied the game earlier because the guys in stripes blew the fumble which yep. should have been a Minnesota touchdown. Yep, right. And what it, what I really thought in typical me watching the Minnesota Vikings was, you know, I'm running around the house after the Dalvin <laughs> Cook, you know, I'm yelling, their dog is hiding. Um, it's 36-34, and I go, okay, 
now they're going to miss the two points because that's how this thing's going to end. But, but it didn't. And, and then after the two point, I'm like, well, these guys always give up, you know, points in the last two minutes of the half. So Indy's going to win at 39-36. But, and the kicker didn't miss the field goal in overtime, yeah. which was another miracle as a Minnesota kicker. I'm sure you, I'm sure you've seen a lot of this on social media. Where are you at, Lou, that uh people are calling uh the Minnesota Vikings uh who the by the way are now the three team in the history of the sport? Yeah, the worst. Like literally the worst. Well, I don't know if I would go quite that far, but you know, and, and it's not just me being me. This is not a Super Bowl contender in any way, shape or form. It's it's a team that and and I my favorite person of the whole year is their head coach. Because I think this guy's a bit of a miracle worker. Um, you know, the one thing you can't take away from them is they have found a lot of ways to win close football games. Mm-hmm. So that that's not completely an accident. That's that's my favorite part. That and that number 18 is pretty good at football. How does he hang on to that ball, Justin Jefferson, on the hit that probably should have knocked him out of the game. Um, But he did. So I admire how they stick in there, regardless of, you know, the nonsense they put themselves in. And and I get it, George. It just, they're not a good defensive football team. And it's why chances are they're probably going to be out in game one of the playoffs. The only good thing is they're going to play game one of the playoffs at home. And that will give them an opportunity to win that game. Peter Labardius uh, is the color voice for Sportsnet 960 covering the Calgary Flames. Uh, Lou, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Have a Merry Christmas, pal. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, be well, eh, guys? And and have an awesome week. And, and George, take care, and I hope you're feeling better because I know it's been – been a heck of a struggle and you know what if i'm lucky today i won't i won't miss the game tomorrow i'll actually get back to calgary <laughs> and i told the guys last night then i'm just going to sleep in the studio the rest of the week so they can't take the opportunity to do hockey away from me the rest of the week love it bye guys all right see you Lou. <laughs> um great job as always um peter labardius on the atlas pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Dine and pick up or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. Great stuff from Lou. Um, Our man, Tommy Wielden Jr. on that epic World Cup final yesterday. And I keep teasing the story, Maddie. Yeah. Um. I'm going to tell you that if you want to kind of get after it a little quicker at your Christmas party coming up and be responsible, don't drive, just leave the car at home. I'm going to tell you what mix you should be using. Is it coffee? No, mm. but we'll do that next. It's okay. the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. One more segment to go, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 
the fan. Um, we got a soccer report to wrap up the show. And uh, I keep teasing um, a mix you should use during the holiday season. Like, I feel like I've oversold this, Maddie, a little bit. Oh, no. Is it going to be like eggnog? <laughs> We're going to be like, no. oh, good, good um, one, George. Real creative. No, but shout out to our technical director last week, Garrett, who thinks eggnog should be available all year round. Because nothing says a hot day in July like some eggnog to cool off. Here's the thing. Maybe it doesn't need to be as prominent as it is during the holiday season. But if you want to stock a, a one liter throughout the year, just, <laughs> one, just one row in, in one yeah. of your fridges, I don't okay. think it's the worst idea in the world. Okay. Uh, maybe a little <laughs> rum, a little nutmeg on top. Sure. I, I like allspice. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good call, too. Um, we'll, we'll do that after we talk to our man, um, Tommy Wilden Jr., Cavalry FC manager on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I think the uh, adrenaline is still coursing through my veins after that game yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. I was going to ask you, Tommy, in all your time uh, playing the beautiful game, watching the beautiful game, was that the greatest soccer match you've ever watched yesterday? Uh, it has to be. And, and, uh, do you know what? Just and sometimes there are events in your life where reality supersedes fiction. And you imagine if this was, you know, like you see these miracle on ice and things like that, and you think, oh yeah, it actually happened. But oh yeah, they played it up. But I think there's there's times where we we, we want to make sure that we're looking at what has actually happened here. This is better than any movie could have put it. Where you've got you know the current reigning champions in France and Mbappe going on to win the Golden Boot, and then you've got. Uh, the greatest player of all time in Messi, searching for his first World Cup win, and he scores two goals and the winning goal. It just went back and forth like two heavyweights, and there was romance in it, there was heartbreak, there was controversy. It was it was everything you could have wanted, and I just feel that this is going to inspire generations of young players around the world now who are going to carry on uh, making this game a great game. Uh, Tommy, when we did our draft for picking teams, if I would have told you that Friday morning that in the final, Kylian Mbappe would score a hat-trick and France would lose, you would have said what? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, the sad thing is, is, is the two of them, Mbappe and Messi, they're at Strasbourg at home in about a week's time together. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it couldn't write itself, but... Uh, yeah, to, to have played that, that well, or sorry, impacted. Because I, I think Argentina were the dominant side uh, until I think Di, Di, uh, Di Maria went off in 65th minute. And that's where I think France smelled blood, and that's where Mbappe can strike, and it shows the class he is. And I think we're all in good hands this sport because, you know, once Messi's, Ronaldo's do retire, you've got Mbappe and, and Haaland, obviously, but he didn't impact this World Cup. But they're the type of players that will take their throne. Uh, Tommy, let's park a second to talk a little bit about Messi, who gets on the board early. Uh, the, the picture that he posted on his Instagram account of him on the shoulders of some of his teammates with, with the trophy is already the most liked photo by any athlete on Instagram ever. Uh, this is a pretty monumental moment, and to see him kind of get everything done here, bring it full circle, it's pretty powerful. Uh, it is, and, and there's so many stories to be written here because, you know, the number 10 jersey for Argentina has been synonymous with Maradona, who recently passed. Um, you know, we always thought with Messi, they got to the final in 2014, couldn't get it done against Germany, and there was always this question mark, and 
I think what he's done now is he's an unbelievable competitor. He's won. He's a serial winner. But he's so similar in the way that Maradona was, this diminutive, you know, five foot four, five foot five player that was low center of gravity, a deft touch, great left foot, and can carry a team on their shoulders. And I remember that was, you know, the first World Cup I can remember, Maradona doing the same um, for Argentina then. And I think Messi has literally done that now. And, you know, in such a humble way, there's so many, so much romance to be written about that and almost that passing of the torch and the closing of Messi's World Cup chapter. But, I mean, I think they've they've taken, I think, Luca, uh, sorry, Lionel Scaloni, the Argentina manager, deserves a lot of credit too because he's basically formed a system of incredible team around Messi that's brought the best out of him and allowed him to do his thing and support. You know, I think players like DePaul were, were fantastic. The back line led by Mende were fantastic and Martinez in goal. They all played their role to ensure that when Messi got it, Alvarez was running beyond him and he could pick up space in the pockets. I thought the tactical genius of bringing Di Maria in was exceptional because I think, like I said, for 65 minutes, we're looking at this Argentina side against France going, wow, they were forced into making subs before half time. That's how good they were. But Scaloni's now taken this Argentina group from winning the Copa America and the World Cup now back back to back. It's never been done by an Argentinian coach. So, it's uh, yeah, I think we're uh, living in a great time of watching some uh, incredible football. Tommy, how impressive was the, was the penalty kicks during the match and not the shootout themselves, but even in the shootout by Messi and Mbappe? <laughs> you know, it, it was just clutch, wasn't it? I mean, for, for um, Mbappe to score all three penalties, I know we were talking about Harry Kane, you know, playing against his old teammate, Loris, and Mbappe had the same circumstance, not teammates, of course, but was able to just be clutch. And let's remember, this lad is 23. It's almost like watching... You know, when Michael Jordan was coming to the end of his and, you know, Kobe Bryant was coming through and uh, an heir to the throne, he was so clutch in this key moment. And then to then have the first PK in the penalty shootout and score it again is remarkable because can you imagine the pressure on that young man's shoulders? I mean, you know, they said he's, he's, he's already a previous World Cup winner, but to produce again and then Messi, like the composure for him to walk up, stutter step and just let the keeper dive and slot it the other way. I mean, that's world class, and that's what we got to see. Tommy Willen, Junior Cavalry FC manager, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I know this is a lot of uh, inside soccer, but I-, I love getting your perspective on these types of things. I was really surprised when Deschamps uh, subbed out Giroud and Griezmann, mm-hmm. but that really changed the fortunes of the French, didn't it? It did. It was interesting because we've been reading reports before about there being this sickness that had gone through France. And, you know, I haven't watched them closely. Um, they, they didn't seem the side that, that beat England. They didn't see the side that won in the, in the semis. And you're looking at them now going, I don't know if it, is it Argentina that good or is this sickness bug or is that the reason? We don't know. You know, there's, there's rumors going both ways. But to make a sub that early, I guess he had to because he had to change the game because one more goal would have been closure. Um to do it before half time, he, he's he's done it right, I guess, because there was going to be so much injury time at half time. So now he almost gained an extra ten minutes with these new players, can recalibrate at half time. And but Argentina came out again, and it was honestly as soon as Di Maria came out for Argentina, the game tilted, and that's where Deschamps, in fairness to him, he's a serial winner. So he's played his card. He's brought on Alexa Coleman, um, Camavinga. These guys are technical. They're athletic. 
and I thought Argentina, aside from Messi, lost their little dribble out, output. So um, when France brought on their subs, they became more dominant at 2-2. They could have gone on and won it. And they had, they had Argentina on the ropes. They went into extra time. And you just felt that that's when Argentina kind of recalibrated. But then both sides literally went toe-to-toe like a heavyweight contest. And it was just brilliant to see two coaches giving it their best, two sets of players refusing to lose. And, you know, there was some incredible saves and blocks. I mean, I remember Upa Meccano making two great blocks in the box and then Martinez, the Argentinian goalie, making that big save at the end. And it was immense. Uh, Tommy, I know, I know we talked about this. Uh, all the cynicism surrounding the tournament that it's going to be played oh. in the winter for the first time. All these big uh, domestic leagues need to take a break to hold this tournament. Uh-huh. Do you think this is the last time we have a Winter World Cup? Because, Tommy, I'm sure, much like myself, you were fished into this whole thing during December, November. Yeah, like I said, selfishly, it's in my off-season, so I got yeah. to enjoy more games than I usually would. I mean, the summer's always got it going, which is great, and you can always guarantee the weather's in, you know, in most parts of the world at that time. Um, you know, with the next cycle being you know, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, you know, uh, I guess in Toronto in December would be a little bit cold, wouldn't it, for the games? <laughs> uh, you wouldn't get as many people. But I th- there's a few things. I mean, it did. You know, it's, it's a World Cup that's brought more goals than any other uh, any other World Cup. So it's um, it's been positive on that one. Um, it's been interesting to see, you know, in a World Cup where they, you know, um, banished the, the alcohol in, in the stadiums, around the stadiums. There was no talks of violence or anything like that. So, hey, guess what? You don't drink, you don't fight. Who'd have thought those two were connected? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's been a lot of positive feedback. I know there's negativity going into it. And, you know, certainly there's, there's got to be close to things on the human rights uh, talks. But uh, from a spectacle perspective, it, it looked like it was a really good show. I, I was laughing. I saw earlier that there was no British fans arrested during FIFA World yeah. Cup 2022 for the first time in a very long time. Ever. Went, oh, first time in ever. Okay, well, that's yeah. great news. Ever. Congratulations to them. Congratulations uh, to the uh, hooligans. And, yes. And England won the Fair Play Award with only one yellow tournament. So I tell you, there's been a change since this Brexit. I tell you, everybody's calmed down, I guess. Just got re- <laughs> to remove the juice, and there you go. Yeah. Um, hey, I uh, wanted to ask you this as well. Um when he comes over to North America, what do you think Messi's going to look like in the MLS? You think you think that's going to happen? That was a rumor, wasn't it, into Miami? A little bit of a rumor, was, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rumor has I, it. I, yeah, I don't know whether he will finish his career. I think he'd be one of them that, like, I know David Beckham came out this way and said, so the Ibrahimovic, I think at the age and stage he is now, I would more see him because I think money's not a big deal for them. Finishing his career in Argentina, look at those fans. Mm. I mean, those fans were incredible you know those goosebumps stuff really for, for what i think they're one of the i think the top three number of fans throughout qatar um you've seen the you know the pictures of fans back home in argentina i you know i, I can see him retiring there if he is going to retire or you know he goes back to barcelona which is his spiritual home and plays one swan song season and hangs the boots up and that that's him done um but yeah i, I don't see it personally uh come to the mls i i, I I just think now with being a World Cup winner, I think I see it more being Argentina with the home of his people. Uh, Tommy, unfortunately, um, we owe our man Matt Rose yeah. uh, some lunch and some drinks. Uh, he picked Argentina to win the tournament with the second overall pick in our little snake draft we had between the five of us, although you mm-hmm. had the French, got all the way to the final, but didn't seal the deal. 
Uh, how about we do lunch and drinks in January, uh, maybe the second week of January there, sounds, and we'll take our good. man Matty Rose out for some drinks, and he can have all the spoils of picking the champion of the tournament. He can get to choose the place. We pick up the tab. Got it. No problem. Okay. Well earned. Well I'm sure Matt is uh, looking at menus where he can have beluga caviar as we speak right now, Tommy. So we'll see. <laughs> Matty, the man with the box score. Champagne yes. uh, tastes uh, for Matt I love a good Rose. box score. Yes. Yes. Um, Tommy Wilden, Jr., Cavalry FC manager. Tommy, you've been fantastic during our World Cup coverage. Uh, we thank you for that, and I look forward to drinks and lunch. Thanks for this, pal. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been very enjoyable. Uh, there's Tommy Wilden Jr. on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Can I say I learned yep. a ton about the beautiful sport that is football over the course of this World Cup from all of you guys and Tommy, but the one thing that I should have asked before was how overtime worked. Because as I was watching extra time on my phone, yeah, I kept thinking like I don't know how this game ends. Like I don't know the rules to overtime. Are, do they go to penalty kicks in the final? Do, is that going to happen eventually? And every right. time I thought they were going to go to penalty kicks, they just continued to play on. And I was yeah. watching on my phone, so I didn't want to close it and miss something. And, right. and while I was reading the rules, and then. Argentina scored in overtime, and I was like, well, next goal wins. That's the game. And then, right. no, that wasn't the end of the game. The French no. continued to play, and then Mbappe scored again. And then I went, okay, now what? Now they're going to penalty kicks, and then they didn't go to penalty right. kicks. And then they went and they continued to play, and then no one scored again, and then they went to penalty kicks. And then the guy, who was the really good goalie, looked very confused by everything that was happening in penalty kicks. Uh, no, the, well, well the, they used to have the golden goal, which is like an overtime goal. Yeah, they got rid uh, of that next goal wins. after 2002. Yeah. Yeah, they, mm. they stopped doing that because of television, too, because then they're guaranteed two 15-minute halves, and the game is still tied. You can score as many goals as you can in extra time, uh, but they did that now. That's been the rule uh, for a few World Cups now, so that's what it is. So then when you're watching, Maddie, when you're watching soccer again in four years, in three and a half years' time here, <laughs> um, just remember there's no overtime like in hockey. Uh, they do They play two 15-minute uh, halves of extra time, and then if they're still tied, they have to settle it in a penalty shootout. But, and we get that a lot too, for people who say, "Oh, why do they shoot it? Why do they do in a shootout?" It's like having forever. the Stanley Cup final like cricket. In, in a shootout. Well, no, because these guys are exhausted after playing 120 minutes of soccer. Yeah. Eventually, you gotta have a, a you gotta settle the thing, right? You it's can't a, keep playing on and on and on. It's one of the reasons that I hate running is because it takes so much energy. You get so tired doing it. And these guys, yeah. it's not like they're going out there for a little Sunday jog. Like there's yeah. many kilometers on the tread by the end of that right. two hours. So like Mbappe now, was running all over the field and yesterday. And at top speed, full tilt, yeah. he's opening that thing up. And, and like the way that you have to go, top speed, stop. Top speed, stop. You don't really get a break. 45 straight minutes, and then you get yep. your one timeout, and you kind of have to conserve your energy. It's fascinating. Like, the, yep. the minutia of the sport is quite fascinating. Uh, it's going to be fascinating where you pick uh, the location for our lunch and drinks uh, with Tommy Wheeldon Jr. I'm looking forward to that when I come back. It's going to be fun. I'm Okay. I, I knew I was going to win. Look at you. It's beginner's luck. I, I like knew confidence. I was going to win.
And, of course, the guy who knows nothing about soccer wins our pool. Right? It was a simpleton against a savant in the final. Yep. And the simpleton won. Congratulations, Matty Rose. Free drinks. Free lunch. Opa. For you. Um, we, we, didn't have, we didn't give enough time to our man Patrick Dumas for the uh, soccer update. It's our last one brought to you by CertainTeed. And then I'll tell you what mix you should be using. Okay, uh, okay, the okay. Perfect. Um, we got to get that in. No, let's go. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it in. Like I said, I'm overselling it a little bit, I think. Okay, good. Love that. That's going to be good for everybody. I want to disappoint our listeners right before mm-hmm. we say goodbye. Well, but perfect. First, it is Monday, so. It is Monday. Got a case of the Mondays. All right, first, uh, Patty Dumas it's a day that with our wide, World Cup so. update. Take it away, sir. Yes, the final soccer report is brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. We all know by now Argentina crowned world champions, their third title after winning 4-2 on penalties against France. Well, let's see how it got there. Uh, didn't take long for that drama to start. Usman Dembele with a clip of Angel Di Maria's boot. He goes down in the box. Maybe a bit uh, soft penalty awarded Argentina, but, the, uh, you know, whatever. It happens. Uh, I thought they, they, the ref did a very good job yesterday. Uh, Di Maria maybe a bit of a surprise selection in the starting 11, but his making an impact early. Messi makes up uh, makes that penalty. It goes up 1-0 Argentina. His seventh goal of the tournament. Fourth from the spot. Uh, then Messi was set up a beautiful open field play. Alexis McAllister finding Angel Di Maria. It's 2-0 Argentina, 36 minutes in. Beautiful goal, by Oh, the way. absolutely. Just a gorgeous goal. Uh, Messi had assist against Netherlands, the no-look. He had the great assist against Croatia, and he had the great starter in this one to get the second goal for Argentina. Didier Deschamps needing some sort of boost with sub off Olivier Giroud, who uh, was in doubt heading into the final, but he did play. Was not uh, was very anonymous throughout uh, the first 40 minutes. Usman Dembele, he gets subbed off as well for causing that penalty. Uh, Randall, Kul- uh, Randall Kulamani and Marcus Thuram, they come in, and they would be involved in Mbappe's fate as this game goes on. Uh, Kulamani gets brought down by Nicolas Otamendi in the similar vein that Di Maria was brought down. Uh, Mbappe blasts that penalty by uh, Emmy Martinez, France cuts that lead to 2-1. And then just seconds later, Mbappe puts away a, uh, a great give-and-go with uh, Turam for the second uh, time in the knockout stage. Argentina is in shock with two quick goals after going up 2-0. This one needed extra time. Some absolute chaos. Rafael Varane plays Argentina on size because his butt was on side. It was insane. Messi scores. You think he's going to be hero, but no, not so fast. Mbappe gets his third goal of the game, second via the penalty after Gonzalo Montiel uh, has the ball go off his elbow inside the box. Tie game, 3-3. We needed penalties. Mbappe scores a fourth goal, third from the spot to kick off the shootout. Then Messi converts his. Emmy Martinez, he was named Golden Gloves as the best keeper of the tournament. Plays hero, saving the next two France penalties. And with a chance to send Argentina home with their third world title, Gonzalo Montiel wins it. La Albi Celeste are the world champions. Lionel Messi wins Golden Ball as player of the tournament. Killing Mbappe's eight goals are the most by a player since Ronaldo back in 2002 for Brazil. First title for Argentina since Maradona led the side triumphant in Mexico back in 86. We'll see you again in 2026 here, Canada, USA, Mexico. And that's the Soccer Report brought to you by CertainTeed. Pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed for all the way. Great job, uh, Patrick. I'm going to miss you and uh, Alex doing the soccer report. But more than anything, Matty Rose, I'm going to miss the, the sexy bed underneath that. Oh, seat. yeah, that Euro EDM bed. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Very good. Reminds me uh, every time that we have that of the old. Uh... Oh. Yeah.
does it feel like you just this need like a glow CBC stick News. in your mouth? We're interrupting when you hear that? our schedules for the following announcement. Yes, uh, okay. glow stick in the mouth. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't. We don't need to get into it, but um, yeah, I like those parties. Uh, uh, speaking of parties, uh-huh. um, oh, it's that time of year. Wow, what a segue! This guy's still You're a welcome. pro. Uh, it's that. <laughs> it's that time way. of year. Glad he didn't lose it over the weekend. It's true. Um, it's that time of year where uh, a lot of people have Christmas parties, yep, Christmas work parties, gatherings. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And if you like a specific type of uh, spirit, sure. Maybe you're a rum guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Maybe you're a, a gin girl. Maybe you're a, a rye drinker. I don't know. <laughs> rye guy. According to Doctor Karen Raj, uh, who who has a big following on TikTok. Uh, she does like great things of like you know health tips, how to get better sleep, highlights the benefits of growing a beard, uh-huh. all these things. She's she's very popular on TikTok. Uh, she tackled the uh, subject of why diet Coke gets you drunk faster than regular Coke. Okay, tell me why. Here's why: um, the sugar in Coca Cola actually makes you process the alcohol slower because there's more calories in your stomach. But when there isn't any sugar in Diet Pop or something like club soda, your body ingests the alcohol faster because it doesn't have the sugar in the stomach as well. Okay. I like that. A little bit of science helping out with the metabolization and stuff like that. Right. So if you're at a Christmas party, not only do you don't have to drink the calories of the Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever sweet beverage you want to use – you drink it with diet or zero or club soda, you'll get drunk faster. Yeah, you get choked down that awful aspartame taste, but hey, it's yeah, it'll, it'll work. That's how dare you? Nice... You know I'm a Coke Zero guy. Yeah, and, like Lou. Yeah, and that's fine. You're allowed to like that, but aspartame is one of the worst tastes in the planet. That's fine. Yeah, but uh, just uh, as a public service announcement, little uh, PSA. If you want to get after it a little faster go. this holiday season? <laughs> diet Coke Zero Pop Club Soda. Did I oversell it? Oh, or? for sure. Without a question. Yeah. That was oversold hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. Okay. Well, that's all we can ask. I think we all can right. all just look towards ourselves, take a hard look in the mirror and say, yep. And I'm looking forward to day it. number 12 of the 12 days oh, of Christmas. So much to give away. Yeah. For our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. We got to go. Bye. Bye.